Getting you ready for another chapter in the Holy War rivalry. There's a lot more at stake here than just a game, right? And I think that you're fooling yourself if you just say that it's just another game. It's not. Milne in the slot. Williams the running back. Tyson Williams inside the five and into the end zone. First touchdown is a BYU Cougar for the grad transfer from South Carolina. On second down, Brewer throwing for the corner of the end zone. It's caught touchdown. They bring some pressure. BYU picked it up nicely. They gave Hall time to throw downfield, and it's caught. It's drive. with all kinds of time going deep and throwing it into coverage through it right to the BYU defender and it's intercepted in the back of the end zone Hayden Livingston Wilson flushed intercepted picked off by Utah Francis Bernard the former BYU Cougar runs it back play action Wilson there is Bushman he's got Sideline throws it back and it's juggled and tipped and intercepted off the hands of Randall Grimes and Utah comes away with it and it's Devin Lloyd the pick. Get ready. Your Holy War pregame show begins now on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Ninety-seven five, twelve eighty, the zone and the zone sports network. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard. We are down here at JCW's in Provo, and it is time to go. It is your Holy War pregame show right here on the Zone Sports Network. You know, Scotty, I've got to make room for my chili cheese fries. Look at look how quick these guys are bringing it out. The food's being served, the burgers are hot, the fries are perfect. That, that might be the greatest thing I've ever seen right there. That, my friend, is a loaded chili cheese fry. I've never actually had the chili. I've had the cheese fries here. I've never had the chili cheese fries here. That might be the greatest thing that JCW does right there. Just put a little bit. You can do their, you can do their special sauce. You know, they've got, what is that sauce that they've got? It's the um, barbecue sauce with the mayonnaise. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. And it's the classic yep. dipping sauce. Or you can just go get some fry sauce, and you can drench your chili cheese fries in that. The burgers. I got the jalapeno bacon burger. Jalapenos fried, a big, thick-cut piece of bacon, big, juicy burger patties on a fresh bun. Remember, everything is locally sourced. That's what JCW's does so well. They're so fresh. Things are sourced. If you're looking for a quick pregame meal, you come to JCW's right here in the old Plum Tree Shopping Center. Could you believe your eyes when you pulled up? No, they've done all kinds of work down here. They've ripped out all of my stomping grounds, man. That's a, that's where you were at back in the day, huh? This is where I was at. They, they used to have a little ice cream joint right here. There there was a food for less back over here. There was a there was well, not to pub any places, but I don't I don't know if they're even around here. But there used to be a Taco Time right next to it. Yeah. The Plum Tree Shopping Center. Movies 8 used to be back over here. They've ripped all that down. Wow. Everything. So what are they putting over there? Is gone, but we've got the JCWs, and that's really all that matters back Yeah, here. it really is. I don't know. They're building something. You know, they got all their construction stuff out here. 
a lot of people are, are parking over here and walking to the game. Uh, there's a bunch of parking, kind of vacant parking lot over here. I suggest just bring yourself down University Parkway, pull into JCW's, park, come grab a burger or two or three, yeah. grab the chili cheese fries, grab a bunch of stuff, eat it, head over to the game. It's about a 10-minute walk from here. So if you wanted to park you know, over here in the, the vacant parking lot and walk over, yep. you could do that. And it is the best food you're going to find. You know that, Scotty. Oh, yeah. No, there's nothing better. I'm not breaking any news to you. A JCW burger. I, I'm even a big fan of their sandwiches. They've got a, a turkey and Swiss that's really good. Even if you want to, uh, if you're uh, doing a little calorie watching, the salads are really good. they got a turkey bacon salad that's really good. They do. And then, of course, their shakes, man. Their shakes are the absolute best. So come on down, grab some food. Hang out with us. It's JCW's The Burger Boys in Provo. Come to the Provo. And if there, there's, yeah. there's others, you know, you've got JCW locations all over the place, but we want you to come down here. I thought we, uh, you know, you got the Lehigh location, too, on the way down. There's a bunch of them, uh, but we're here in Provo. And as you mentioned, just about a uh, just about a three iron away from the stadium. So yeah. you come on down, hang out with us. Hey, uh, we've got kind of a nice mix, too. BYU, Utah fans. A lot of red in here. There's there's a there's a good chunk of red in here. There's a good chunk of red in here, man. It's it's kind of a good mix. But everybody, you can hear the buzz. You can feel it in the air down here. When I was driving over to the top of the hill, coming down into Provo, you could feel the energy and excitement. It's unlike anything else in the state of Utah, Scotty. Yeah. The excitement that this game builds, and I kind of have tended to disagree with. Most people on air that I've heard talking about this game saying that it doesn't have the same gusto. This has the same gusto. In my opinion, this game actually has more gusto. And as we get into the show, I'll explain to you why. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about that, too, because I think it does. But my reasoning might not be the same as a lot of others. I believe that we might not see these teams play for quite some time. I know they're not going to play for the next two years. They may not play for quite some time with the big 12 announcement yesterday with the scheduling that has to be done um by the way rock just got a hold of those chili cheese fries you're not going to get those things back gosh dang it man how did he get those yeah did he come trouble. over and grab them uh yeah they're gone and i'm not uh, oh my gosh watching rock eat a wing is a thing of beauty man my man <laughs> he knows how to eat a wing he knows how to eat a wing doesn't he <laughs> That's not his first rodeo. No, when he was two, he started. No, I kid you not. I just hope I end up with, with bones because, like, you know, sometimes you don't. Like, I, I was just talking about this game, and I look over, and I see Rock, and and then a Rock just reaches in his mouth, and he just pulls out the bone. Like, like yeah, the, that sucker was all the way in there, man. That was awesome. Looks like the old uh, cartoon where they put the fish in their mouth, and they just pull out the bones. Yeah. Or like Jaws, where, like, the dude's hand was holding the uh, – Holding the hand grenade is just like he popped it out. Like it's just right there. He's he, he's efficient. He's efficient. He's gonna clean that bone. Oh man, that no was question. awesome. All right, so uh, I think this game matters a lot. I don't know when this game is gonna be played again. I think whoever wins this game is gonna be able to sit on bragging rights for quite some time, and I think that provides, at least from my perspective, I think that's why I'm really fascinated to see how this game plays out. I was just talking to a BYU fan here. He goes, "Is this our year?" And I'm like, "Hey." You be, it better be because you may not play again for a long time. Well, I think that that's adding to the mystique, the interest, the excitement of this game. I think it's 
you and I talked about it. I, I hadn't heard anybody talking about it, and I don't know if anybody else kind of jumped into the discussion of it, but possibly Kyle Whittingham's last rivalry game. There's a good chance this is the last time we see Kyle Whittingham coaching in the rivalry game. Now, he could be back for 2024. He would be 65 years old. Yeah. He would be, you know, he would be well over that age he's ever talked about wanting to continue his coaching career. So there's a good chance. And we now know that BYU enters into the Big 12 in 2023. That is the year that they yeah. enter into the Big 12. When they enter into the Big 12, 2023 schedule for BYU, I think they've got like seven or eight games already scheduled. That means they're going to have to, that means they're going to have to cancel six, seven games. You know, what if in that first year going into the Big 12, they're sitting down and they're looking at, okay, we want to make a good impression. We don't want to have an overloaded non-conference schedule. We, we, we have to choose between Boise State, Utah State, and Utah. Utah is a physical, daunting, emotionally draining matchup. You know, I know that I know that Mark Harlan has a good relationship with Tom Homo, but if there's if Tom Homo's sitting down trying to figure out his 2023 conference schedule and it doesn't make sense to have Utah on it, then he you could possibly see BYU in some type of cancellation. Yeah, yeah. it would be a payout, but I also know that BYU is already gearing up to have to deal with contracts and have to deal with fallout. But I also think that there's a different standard that's been set. Now, I understand that it was a COVID year, and I understand that there's a lot of verbiage in built contracts about act of God and pandemic. Remember, we saw yep. some pandemic language that was worked into contracts that said if this country is dealing with something significant like this, then that pandemic, you can, you're allowed to part ways. So they might have some different things worked into those scheduling agreements, but they're going to have to make some really tough decisions yeah. when they enter into the Big 12 in 2023. Or 2023. So 2024 is far from a given, and you are absolutely right. You get to sit on state superiority, and it's not like – it's not like Utah can sit there and be like, yeah, well, yeah, but they're still. We won the nine before. Yeah, we won the nine before, and they're still independent. Or they're still Mount yeah, West yeah, Conference. Yeah, yeah. Or they're still lower than us. Now BYU's got this bargaining chip. Like, yeah, well, but we're Big 12 now. So we're Big 12. We knocked Utah off. And you start to see them really gain that confidence that this, this game, I believe, has so much attached to it, so much. Kalani Sataki just signed a contract extension. It, I'm sure that it's a good contract extension. I'm also sure he didn't get everything that he wanted. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not anything that anybody's told me. That's just me looking at the big picture. I think that BYU would have cast that extension the second you're done with that 11-1 season, and it probably would have been a much longer extension. Now, it's a private it's a private contract, so we don't know the money details. But the one thing that I think that they could go to Kalani and say, hey, so I know you want whatever. I know you want five years extended. I want You want four years extended, whatever. I, but... We, we, we are able to extend it two years. Well, why? Well, there's probably a few whys. The top why has to be you got to beat your rival. Yeah. Yep. 
And he's not getting another crack for a while. And he's not going to get another crack for a while. Um, and then remember, 2024 will be the year before his new contract, his extension expires. Yeah. Because I think it was extended to 2025. Yeah, he'll need another extension before that 24 game. Even before that 24 game is played. But So how much does this mean to Kalani? How much does it mean to Aaron Roderick as the new offensive coordinator at at, at BYU? Now, he's the new offensive coordinator, not the new play caller. He's been the play caller. I, I don't attach play caller to coordinator. Just he's the new offensive coordinator. And... How much does it mean to this staff that has left Utah and has continued to be beat in classic games by the University of Utah? And then we've got to look at it from the University of Utah side of things, Scotty. We tend to get pulled into the BYU side of things because that conversation is interesting with the Big 12 and Kalani and losing nine in a row. Look at Utah side of things. They've got a chance to put Kyle on a float and send him off if it, if it is 10 consecutive wins, send him off with 10 consecutive yeah. wins. Yeah, I mean, that's, to me, you bring up the really good, I mean, you talk about the BYU angle. The Utah angle is just as important, just as valuable for them because, and it was interesting because I, 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 you know, we get flack on Twitter every now and then about some of our conversations. I was surprised at some of the response we got on this because I think it's a very real thing. I mean, I'm looking, you got your son Rock here. You got a couple other recruitable athletes here. Yeah. You know, these, all these kids here at this table sitting next to us have never known anything outside of Utah dominating this rivalry. Yep. Every other freshman, sophomore, junior out there, they don't remember 2009. They don't. They never remember Max Hall to Andrew George. No. They have no memory of that whatsoever. But what they know is Utah dominating and Utah in the Pac-12. Well... If these kids turn on the TV, and let's say they got a split household. Mom went to Utah. Dad went to BYU. They're kind of on that fence. you got both schools already sniffing around at them. And they see, in the span of a couple weeks, Kalani Sataki getting getting extension. BYU's going to the Big 12. And BYU knocks off Utah to snap the 10-game winning streak. And then Utah has to wait two years, bare minimum, to try to repair that. That could that 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 could cause a little bit of an influence. It could, and it could cause a problem for recruiting for University of Utah. However, if Utah says, "Hey, look, who Texas is gone, Oklahoma's gone. That's a basketball conference. That's not a football conference. We've just won ten in a row. Oh, and by the way, we're in a conference that just saw uh, Oregon knock off Ohio State in the horseshoe, and we're gonna that they're on our schedule. This is the conference of champions. That big the, these guys are. You, you want to go to Kansas?" You want to go to Lawrence, Kansas to play football? Of course you don't. Stay here, local. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Lawrence, Kansas, or Lubbock? Yeah, or Lubbock. Yeah, you always talk about Lubbock. But, uh, it, no, it, it's a really good point. So I, I love that you've jumped over to the Utah side of things, kind of their perspective. Now, just going from an on-field perspective, I had a couple of opportunities to be suited and play in rice Stadium. It's a violent place. I, not... Not literally, yeah. It just yeah, figuratively, it's a crazy place to play the rivalry game. You're in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. You've got a sold-out crowd, and you can tell by, you know, just the, the oh, buzz yeah. that's here down in the valley here in Provo. There, there's such a beautiful buzz going on. It just, it's electric down here. 
everybody's filling into that stadium. It's jam-packed, recruits, Big 12 logos, new video boards, which, by the way, they got finished for rivalry. I was gonna, did they get them done? They did. <laughs> I guarantee they'll glitch. You know that they're oh, going to yeah, glitch. And when they glitch, everybody needs to have patience because they just got finished earlier this morning. <laughs> like, you know, everything, like everything else in this world, delays, delays because yeah. they can't get materials. But 65, 66,000 crammed in alumni, excitement, all these things. And Utah walks in and punches you in the mouth, silences the crowd, punches you again, silences the crowd. You know, let's say in the second quarter, they've got themselves a two or three score lead. They, they keep the distance as, as they're coming out of halftime. They, they've got their game plan. They march down the field. They get the score. You see that momentum just start to just peter out. Just, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. just yeah. to the point where Utah has a chance to walk in on somebody's wedding. And <laughs> you remember the movie? search monty python and the search for the holy grail oh yeah you remember the wedding scene yeah well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna avoid that because i don't want to be notre dame's head coach brian kelly here so (laughs) you have a chance to come into the wedding and i thought you were going braveheart there for a second and yeah and rain on the party well you you know just for the crowd yeah because we know we got a lot of ears a lot of young ears in cars right now yeah you got a chance to come in and just storm cloud yep. on the perfect gathering. Oh, I'll give you a for perfect for instance. I I built my whole Friday around going out to see Johnny Lightfoot and Charlie Jenkins and Graham Russell, the lead singer for Didn't know that one was coming Air though. Supply. Dude, when he came out, it was crazy. I built my whole Friday around it. And I'm sitting there with my wife, and we're eating a little bit of fajitas poblano. Yeah. Oh, nice. And the clouds come over, and they burst. Downpour. About 15 minutes before that concert is supposed to start. And I'm like, it's just a horrible feeling. Utah could be that storm cloud that comes into Provo and just rains and destroys everything. I'm telling you, it could be the worst feeling BYU fans, BYU players, BYU coaches, it couldn't be a worse time for Utah to come in and beat you. That's the opportunity that Utah has in front of them. And so I feel like, and maybe I've just built this up in in, in my eyes, I feel like outside of being conference partners and the Mountain West Conference being dictated by tonight's results, which I still don't think carries the cachet that this game carries outside of that this is the most exciting game most interesting matchup most i think most storyline surrounding it of any rivalry i've covered since i retired from professional football in 2006 yeah both teams seemingly could be pretty equal in this game but if utah goes out after byu had all the excitement last year Everything that fall, everything that kind of just centered around that team. If Utah comes in and puts it on BYU, there's no more doubt as to who. I mean, look, nine in a row is already pretty extreme. But if Utah, and I don't think this is going to happen, but if Utah goes down there and puts it on BYU, BYU doesn't recover from that. No, it's a strong. That's, that's a, a strong statement. statement. 
Because you, BYU's got all this good news going on, all this great publicity, well, did, did love. You, yeah. you drove around the point of the mountain. How I many saw the big billboard. 12, how many Big 12 billboards do you But I passed three yeah. from Eagle Mountain to yep. Provo. Yep, I came down from Bountiful, saw a bunch of them. As soon as you hit point of the mountain, boom, Big 12 country, boom, Utah, welcome to the Big 12. Boom, 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 boom. They're all over the place. This place is celebrating. If Utah comes in and goes, that's cute, wham. That's a statement. We talk about those recruitable kids. They'll notice that. Am I just trying to create more drama than there actually is? You know, that's the thing because. Is is this like a fevered pitch? No, I think think you're spot on, but it may not. You know, we talk about, sometimes we talk about how excited we were watching a game. And trust us, we'll get into matchups and and offense, defense, and X's and O's. We'll get into all that. But this game feels like it's more than that. It feels like it's more than a matchup of two good teams. It feels like there's more to this game than just what's going to happen on the field. Because the ramifications of who comes out of here, the victor, that's going to be felt for a while. Well, this, I think that this game, because of all the things that have built up over 10, 11 years, nine games, everything, the logos now. I also kind of feel like BYU fans have not had it so great for a while. They've not had this type of feeling. I, okay, Scotty, you, you and I can pull back the curtains a bit. Yeah. So, Scotty and I are able to monitor and see how many people are listening on their computers. Or, you know, you, you've got a good sense of it. And we know, we can kind of tell, if we go into BYU stuff in the past, and things are down with BYU. Mm-hmm. BYU fans don't check in. Don't check in. Yeah. They're hurt. They've been beat, beat up. And, and BYU fans have really checked in with us over the last couple months oh and how and yes. how yep and you've felt it i've felt it byu fans have a renewed sense of energy and optimism and and they're really feeling the momentum of this game and utah players and coaches they know it i'm not going to say how i know it but i can tell you for a fact i know they know it utah coaches know where BYU fans are, where BYU players are, where BYU walk-ons are, where a new coach in his new contract is. They know how much momentum is surrounding this. Every, Every one of them. And they would love nothing more than to remind everybody who's been the dominant force for years. Yeah. People can't make an argument to me otherwise. This game carries more than any game I can remember covering. And and as you mentioned, we'll get into the matchups. We'll get into some of the guys that we might see and might not see, specifically from BYU's side of things. But even the matchup provides for some of that. I think Utah players are kind of they're, – they're hearing the buzz about BYU players right now. And I think Utah players are like <laughs> – I can remember feeling that way. No, they, there's only uh, there's only been one game played a piece. Yeah. You know, we used to play a bunch of games, and I can remember seeing Utah's players mentioned in possible Mount West Conference defensive line of the year, and I'm like, I'm way better than that guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm way, what are you talking about? Or seeing an offensive lineman and his name, I'm 
I ran the guy in the dirt last year. Or, you know, those are the things that you're seeing and hearing because you're in the state with these guys. Yeah, yeah. So they've, they've heard it. They know what's going on with those guys. And that creates, and BYU's been getting a lot of a pub. You and I and our show has talked about BYU more than we have in the this, past. This week, Because they've sure. got some momentum. Yeah, there's a lot of momentum out there. 11-1 season, Zach Wilson coming in to, you know, a, an Arizona game at a big-time NFL stadium. It it got some talk. And how much fun is that? would that be for Utah, though? I think Utah's just kind of smiling, like, oh. if we come in here oh, and yes. we just march all over their parade and just remind everybody this is what's up right now. Yeah. It's big. It's gigantic, yeah. man. And everybody can have their own opinion. Every everybody can feel everybody can feel a certain way. Man, this place is hopping down here. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, my all my family's headed off. Everybody, be safe. I want to hang with Kenmore. Walk safe. <laughs> my brother-in-law Kenneth Law too. He's He's got some boys that are recruits too. So they, the Latu boys. Everybody knows the Latus are a big football name. But yeah, they're all headed out. Um, that's my 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 sister's wife married Kenneth Latu. That's so. These are all my little nephews. And you saw the one that looks like Troy Palmall. Yeah, he thinks it's Troy Palmall. <laughs> Plays like him too. Had a beautiful pick against Corner Canyon. Did he? Yeah, he nice did. little freshman. Well, I will say this: watching uh, those dudes tear through those chili cheese fries was uh i mean that was like a bunch of piranhas with a little blood in the water i mean it was it was something else to see i noticed that they gave me three fries with some chili on it yep. and two bites of a burger thank there you, you boys enjoy that hey but there's always more here jc yeah, that's a great thing about jcw's just go back and say hey let's do another round hey we're just getting started it is your holy war pregame show hans olson scott gerard and we are live here at jcw's in provo what's the old shopping center what's it the old plum the plum old tree? plum tree shopping plum tree. center yeah come on by hang out with us grab some food let's get you going it's all right here on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network There's a lot more at stake here than just a game, right? And I think that you're fooling yourself if you just say that it's just another game. Uh, it's not, you know, and it doesn't mean that it's the Super Bowl, but it's it's a big game. You know, we respect BYU. They respect us. We know they're going to play their best game. We know we're going to play our best game. Uh, and so, yeah, you got I think what it is is people that don't know about the Holy War, especially people from the East, they don't really understand understand that it's one of the biggest rivalries in the country and you kind of go through and tell them about that and it makes it fun welcome back your holy war pregame show hans olsen scott gerard we are live here at jcw's the burger boys come on by hang out with us here in provo so i'm gathering a couple of youth uh i'm, I'm gonna probably get like a 10 year, i like to get like 10 11 12 year olds from one from byu and one from utah i've done this a lot of years on the pre and post for the rivalry game i let them make a prediction i just talked to one young yeah. byu fan he's 10 okay and i'm hoping that he'll come over and give his prediction because i was i was pretty shocked 
Really? Yeah, he had a lot of good thoughts about the way this game plays out. What's incredible, Scotty, is to see how involved these fans get. They know, man. Oh, these, yeah. And these little kids, they know. Yeah. They know these players. They know them by name and by number. This is what makes football sports so great. Buddy. Well, and this is why it's so glad. I mean, look, last year if this game's played, we're here, and there's a few people here, but nobody's going to the stadium. That's Everything's such a wrecked. Good point, man. I mean, this is a celebration of football. I know, look, you Utah and you BYU fans, you hate each other, and that's what's great, and we love it. That's what's so much fun about this sport. But to be able to have, we got some Utah fans here, we got BYU fans here, but the fact is everybody's just grabbing a little bite fueling those muscles getting ready to go to Lavelle Edwards Stadium and have some fun that's what makes this so much fun it's a celebration of the game we all love the universities that you all love and uh, that's what makes this so much fun it really is buddy it's just it is a true joy to have been a part of this for so many years one way or the other yeah. a player or an analyst on it there was uh, about a seven year stretch where I was playing professionally that you, you were dialed out, right? Yeah, you dabble a little bit because you got teammates that are Utah guys or you got BYU guys like Rob Morris and I used to always kind of watch this game. But I was so worried about being cut the next time. <laughs> <Just, laughs> you don't have time for oh, this. Oh, man, it's so difficult. And I am so grateful just to be a small part of it on air because this is the most unique and incredible matchup. And I and, – and, that's why the next couple of years, if this thing goes away, that's why we're trying to take this in. But you bring up such a great point, buddy. Last year was such a mess. Yeah. We didn't get this. Everybody can hear the buzz. I mean, look at we're watching this Washington-Michigan game. Look at that crowd. I mean, how cool is that? It's And you're going to see the same thing at Lavella Edwards Stadium tonight. There's not going to be an empty seat in that house. It's awesome. It's going to be heavy blue, a little bit of red mixed in there, and it's just going to be a, a joy to see. Well, you watch Buffalo Stadium, Colorado, with yep. Texas A&M in town. How about that crowd? Yeah. They're, they usually, what do they have, 12, 14 in attendance? By the way, did Texas they, A&M won that they win won, there? They pulled oh, it off. Oh, doggone it. They pulled it off. Can you believe that? By the way, the big story of the day, though, you got to give it to Oregon as Oregon now has put itself firmly in the conversation of the college football playoff. Now, granted, we're only week two, but you go to the horseshoe and win. If Oregon can run the table, even maybe with one loss. They'll lose to Oregon State. (laughs) Washington State will get them. Washington State will get them. They'll get them. Wazoo. They'll get them. That nasty Washington State offense will get them. Dude, you know they're going to they're gonna just, mess up. That's just a classic Pac-12 right there. It is. It's classic Pac-12. They're going to mess up. Well, okay, hold on now. You bring up another really interesting angle to this rivalry game. How much does the Pac-12 need Utah to win this? Oh, immensely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they've got to have that in terms of making sure that they put themselves in a situation where the conference, I mean, they took it on the chin last week. Uh, now, Colorado almost got away with a win against Texas A&M, but there's, there's some good vibes there. I mean, that's good. They, game, they made that game as close as, as, as it was against a top-five team. But after last week, this week, the Pac-12 cannot have Utah losing to BYU. It just, it, it, you know, that, 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 that's not going to sit well with a lot of people. Um, just in response to you were just talking about Oregon getting the win earlier today against Ohio State in Ohio State Stadium. 
Um, how good is Fresno? Because when I was watching uh, Fresno State, because when I was when I was watching Oregon and Fresno State, because I watched parts of that game. Now Fresno gave them all kinds of fits. Fresno ended up losing that game, but it was 31-24. And I can remember watching that and thinking, Oregon doesn't really have Fresno State outmatched. No. Fresno State was throwing punches with them. So how good is Fresno State? Fresno's to, a good team. They're, but I also think that uh, Oregon came into that game probably a little sloppy and probably misfiring a little bit. And and they came into Ohio State and played as good as – I mean, they were far more physical. You think Big Ten, Ohio State, you think physical, nasty. And Oregon was every bit as physical and, and abusive – as Ohio State ever could well, hope to be. And think about this. Fresno State had three turnovers. Fresno yeah. State had three turnovers and stayed in that game against Oregon. So I just I just remember thinking, Oregon's probably fake. They're probably a false front. But Oregon seals their kind of their, their, their you know, per, perception, the way people view them. Yeah. And... Colorado at least made that number five Texas A&M game a very good game. I think that the Pac-12 is turning things around this week, but we tend to lose sight of that in this rivalry game. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Like this, this has Pac-12 ramifications yeah. as well. Yeah. If Utah, who's supposed to be a Pac-12 South power, loses to an independent BYU that doesn't do that doesn't do the Pac-12 any good. No, it does not. And you look around the rest of the conference. I mean, USC's at home at Stanford. Frankly, the Pac-12 needs USC to win that game and blow Stanford out. Even though it's an inter-conference game, it's time to it's time for USC to start pulling their weight a little bit here. Um, you know, Arizona needs to show well against San Diego State. Arizona State needs to blow UNLV out, which I'm sure they will. Oregon State needs to do their thing against Hawaii. Um, TCU beat Cal. Remember, Cal had the rough loss last week. Now they're 0-2. They went to TCU and lost 34-32. Yep. And now Colorado, I don't know. With Colorado, I almost take that as a bit of a win because we didn't expect out of anything out of Colorado. They take uh, Texas they A&M it. right down to the wire, but they had that game. They had it 7-3 to with just a couple minutes left in the game. Yeah. You got to hold on. Seven to three with a couple minutes left. Texas A&M had three first downs going into the fourth quarter. Colorado, Colorado's got a linebacker that uh, uh, moves around. Yeah, he's a he's a man. He is a man, and and it was it was a fun game to watch. So Utah, for the sake of of their conference, they need to to get a win in this robbery game to continue to kind of reboot. The, the perception of what the Pac-12 is. Because, like you said, they took it on the chip. Washington losing to an FCS. Washington, who I believe was the highest-ranked Pac-12 team. Yes. Yep. Losing to an FCS team. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Michigan, by the way, is playing Washington. Michigan just jumped out to a 3 nothing lead. Uh, I want to talk a little bit, and you're going to hear from Kalani Sataki coming up a little bit later on. We're also going to hear from Kyle Whittingham. We have both those guys on the air this week breaking down this game. It was a really, really fun week of interviews and conversations. Um, But the one thing that I'm really curious about, Hans, going into this game is who's available, who's not available. 
Are the Nakua brothers going to play? We heard all week that they probably will. Samson Nakua said at practice he thinks he's 100%. He's planning on going in this game. What can Puka bring to the table? Uh, is there any other injuries out there that are kind of, you know, the Gunnar Romney thing? Are we going to see him back out on the field? Those are key, key positions because we talk about all, I mean, all summer long, we talked about how BYU is loaded at wide receiver. But if they're banged up, that's, that's a problem. I expect Puka to be on the field, and I expect Samson to be on the field. I know that there's a lot of buzz and rumor going out there, uh, going on out there around Gunnar, Gunnar Romney. I do think that Gunnar Romney suffered a pretty ugly leg injury, but I expect Gunnar to be available. I don't know if that means we see Gunnar, but I expect Gunnar to be available. And I actually have more expectations for Gunnar to be available than Neil Pau at this point. Although I think all four, if pressed, if needed, I think all four might be dressed, might be ready. Um, I, I know that even as early as this morning, there were decisions being made for Pau and Romney. Neil Powell and Gunnar Romney. Neil Powell. As early as this morning. Yes. Yeah. Yep, that's not... Uh, things aren't exactly what they originally thought that they were coming out of that Arizona game. Um, as far as the extent of pain and what he's dealing with. Everybody knows. I'm not hiding anything. He sent out an Instagram photo of a boot on his leg. That put every insider into gear trying to figure out what's going on and the insiders are talking about how he did not participate in practice and it's just not looking really good like neil powell is going to be a major force in this game but with that being said i still think he could be made available guys do weird things to play in this rivalry game yeah guys Guys do weird things to play in every game. Guys that are motivated and, and determined and driven. Gunnar Romney, the, the injury that he's dealing with, if, if Gunnar Romney is available and he does play, just know that that guy is going above and beyond. And he is, he is looking at this rivalry game like, I can't miss this. I can't miss it. And every year we, we'd come into this rivalry game beat up, you know, back in my day when we played at the end of the season. We'd all come into it beat up. We'd have two or three guys that didn't play the week before that probably shouldn't play that week that played. Yeah. Because that's what this game means. Okay, I'll put it this way. This, this is the best way to put it. If this was... If this was, let's uh, give me the a low end Mountain West Conference team right now. Um, let's say San Jose State. Okay. Actually, they're a high end yeah, Mountain West team end. now. Uh, let's say New Mexico. Okay, perfect, perfect example. Let's say this was New Mexico. I don't think we'd see Neil Powell or Gunnar Romney. Wow. But because this is what it is, I think those guys are sitting there in front of whoever they need to talk to, saying, "I." will die before I miss this game. I want to play in this game. So we may see guys kind of go above and beyond yeah. to try to be on a football field. But at times it's not their call. They may they may get oh, set. Oh, yes. You know. 
Yeah, you know that. I mean, it's a long season. You you work extremely closely yeah. with that Utah State team. You you see those guys. You know they're chomping at the bit, and you know they get their helmet taken. Yeah, I was going to bring up the point. Sometimes they hide the helmet from the guy, be like, "No, you're not. We're shutting this hey, down." And sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, when you're talking about this rivalry game, sometimes that's what it takes, man. Guys will do anything to play in this yeah. game. Well, especially when, let's say, you're Gunnar Romney or you're Neil Pau and this rivalry means a lot to you and you know that you're not going to see these guys the rest of your career at BYU. And that's it. So knowing that you're not going to play for another two years, that'll be interesting to see how this plays out. We're counting you down to kickoff. It's Utah and BYU. The Holy War continues on. As we are live here at JCW's, a lot of people here. We've got a lot of blue, a little bit of red, but everybody's coming down and enjoying the burgers. All right, Hans, you're building the perfect JCW burger. Oh, Where are you going with? Oh, no. You said you went jalapeno last time? That's what I just went with, the jalapeno bacon burger. It's a fried jalapeno. Also, oh, it's a deep-fried jalapeno. Yeah, it's not. You know, I, I think it's just a skillet fried. Oh, okay. Because it's not breaded and fried. Okay. It's just uh, buttered and fried, so it takes a little bit of the heat out of it. Thick cut piece of bacon. But you're you're asking my my ultimate. Yes. Just me and a burger all alone in yep. a room. You got you and a JCW cook, and and you're like, all right, write this down. Here's my instructions. Okay. So we'll start with their amazingly fresh uh, local source bun. Okay. Their buns, you know it. From eating their buns, you know how good their buns are. So I start with their buns, and I go heavy mayo, heavy ketchup, no okay. mustard. 50-50 on the mayo ketchup? Yes. Really? Because I'm like, I know this sounds blasphemous. Uh, no. I'm almost like 70-30 mayo. Mayo, yes. Okay, I'm glad yeah, I'm no, on the no, same no. page on that. Heavier mayo, and then I do two patties. I do two slices of uh, American. I want American on my classic burger. Uh, I go sautéed onions, sautéed mushrooms. Ooh. I go their thick-cut bacon. Yeah. And then I want, and then I want one leaf of lettuce and one fresh-cut large tomato that kind of covers it. I don't want two tomatoes stacked up that makes things like overly saturated and the yeah. bun tipped to the side. I want one good-sized round piece of tomato cut to just less than one-eighth an inch. All right. And I want that on top of that. That's, no onion? Yeah, sautéed. Oh, sautéed onion. Yeah, okay, we yeah, did yeah. sautéed yeah, onion right. and sautéed mushroom. But not the raw onion. Bacon. And then, hold on. And then as I'm going to bite, I put fry sauce on every bite. All right. And it's a pretty generous amount of fry sauce on every bite with that. I need it saucy. I need it juicy. You know what? You just described outside of the tomato and lettuce. That's my burger right there. So you, you take it. the tomato and lettuce get, off? Get rid of the tomato, get rid of the lettuce. Do you and eat I'm every right bite with the fry sauce on it? Uh, you know, I used to open up the bun and then pour the fry sauce in it. Yeah. But the delivery method is a little bit better when you just have a little uh, little cup and you just pour a little bit on. You sounds like you, you put a lot on. I just, you know. I don't want it to be just a delivery method for fry sauce, man. I, you know, I want, I want, I want to still taste the burger, but I'm with you on that. JCW's has been killing it in the burger industry for a long time. Thick patties, fresh pressed, never frozen. 
incredibly just perfectly seasoned every single patty and you're talking the best bacon that you're ever going to have on a burger it's not that little wafy thin crispy it's a good hearty piece of bacon and then you got the options like scotty we didn't even talk about throwing some pastrami on it we didn't even talk about throwing the jalapeno i didn't know they, i didn't even it. know they do the pastrami yeah, oh here. yeah they've got the pastrami you could absolutely put the pastrami on a burger over here Gosh, i love these guys clay and i know you're out there clay you're a genius you've built the perfect burger and utah is grateful to you to you and your service a grateful utah salutes you i wish christopher walken was here to describe clay's genius and ability he's an artist hands and scotty we're continuing on you to your holy war pregame show right here on the zone sports network short memory you know anything in the past is in the past and we look forward so for us now it's just looking forward to this next game because that's what we can control you can't change the outcome of the past um, but we can you know prepare our best for for saturday and that's what we're going to do that is your i mean boy i tell you what it's your holy war pregame show but man just hearing the coaches hearing the music eric doing a tremendous job back there in studio getting you hyped up for this game man fired up this is such a fun game, such a fun rivalry. I don't care what anybody says. This means a lot. It means a lot, man. It means a lot. And, you know, even if it just comes down to the lifeblood of college football, what it means to recruiting, I know how many recruits in the state that are interested in, you know, playing at the next level, their eyes are firmly on this game. Yeah. I also want to let BYU fans know without knowing the specifics there is a growing confidence a a very large growing confidence inside that BYU coaching staff and their meeting rooms that they've got a chance in this game yeah they're looking at the matchups they feel good about the matchups as they should I think that BYU's personnel is solid and and Kalani says as much when he came on with us Kalani Sataki, here's our conversation. You and I had a chance to chat with both uh, Kalani Sataki and Kyle Whittingham this week. Uh, here's Kalani Sataki. We'll talk to uh, Jason Anderson, who's down here at JCW's, chat with him a little bit. Then you're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham. But uh, here's Kalani Sataki, hands and eyes conversation with him earlier in the week. Let's bring in the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Kalani Sataki, kind enough to join us. Hey, so there's a... Um, a little something special in the air, obviously, this week with it being Utah week. Do you approach this game differently as a head coach from a preparation and a motivation standpoint, or do you try to just keep it like a regular game week? No, I, I mean, I wish everyone could say, like, I, honestly, I wish everyone could say that uh, rivalry week should be approached like that, that should be happening on all the other 11 games. You know what I mean? But, yeah. Uh, I, I think when you prep for this game it's a little different just because of the, you're so familiar with the other other side and from coaches and and from players and from fans and so it's a little bit of a of a deeper connection and so I don't want to hide away from that but uh I just wish that the intensity of the rivalry and the intensity of the expectations from from the team and from the coaches 
I would love to have that attention every week. Uh, I think I think it's a it's a great thing to do. You don't have to say much as far as motivation, other than just let's go. You know what we got this weekend, and I mean we knew about that. Once we could talk freely about it after the game was over against Arizona, uh, our guys were already prepping and getting ready for for this game this Saturday. So you know, Coach, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because you know you go back to your playing days and. If Lavelle Edwards would have just handled business the exact same way that he did every other week going into rivalry week, that doesn't change the fact that we as players would have handled that game in a slightly different emotional fashion. Coaches can try all they want to try to make it just one of 12, but the players recognize the difference in the, in the air. They recognize the difference in the conversation with their parents and their friends and their with their classmates. They, they know and recognize the difference. So even if coaches did handle it the same, wouldn't you expect your players to kind of feel the emotion of this game and handle the week differently? Yeah, because, I mean, the last thing you want to do is just hide the fact, hide that from the players. Uh, I'm always about uh, being genuine and having great feedback with them and being honest. And so why would you hide it, especially when uh, coaches may say, hey, it's just another game. But the truth is, everything else outside of them says it's 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 different, right? So it, the way the media handles it, the way the fans handle it, it's way different. So uh, I say let's just embrace it and let's have fun with it, man. I don't want to... Uh, you know, there's nothing like it, and and so well, might as well embrace it and 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 be excited for the challenge. So that's that's how I see it. I I don't think um, if we go into it saying, hey, this is just another game, that sounds great on paper and, and print. But the truth is, like, we we know those guys. Uh, there's a lot of guys on this team that are really familiar with them, that are friends with them. I, hence, you know me. I, me and my little brother TJ were playing here, and our oldest brother was playing at the U. So. Um, that that makes it different, and so why would you ever um, try to change that? The fans know each other; they're in the same households. Uh, let's just have fun with the whole experience. I want to back up a little bit and talk about the Arizona game, not necessarily the game itself, because I know we're looking ahead to uh, to the Utah game. But when you run out onto that NFL stadium and you look up and you see again a, an NFL stadium filled with essentially a sea of blue, which looked like it was eighty twenty ninety ten BYU fans. After a year where you weren't playing in front of anybody, it seemed like, what were those emotions like for you as a coach? Oh, that was huge, and and we we get that everywhere. I mean, that's a Cougar Nation shows up, and and um, wherever we play, if there's tickets available, they will they will be there to watch us play. And that then that level of appreciation and gratitude from from me, I want our I want our fans to know how much we appreciate them, but also uh, the players they love that, you know. So it was really cool. I mean, after last year not having full stadiums and having it empty in most of the games, to having that place just the fans make everything go. I mean, the, the electricity, the excitement, the nerves, all of it, just having the fans there, just, man, it was unbelievable. And, and that venue, is un, that, that's, I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's so cool, um, the state of the art. I mean, I, that, that, it doesn't matter what you're watching in that, in that stadium. I think everything would be pretty impressive. And um, I think the, the Raiders are really lucky to have that, call, call that their home stadium. Did they have you in the home locker room or the away locker room? Club? We were in uh, UNLV's locker room, and then I, and and Arizona was in the visiting team locker room, which is like an exact mirror of the locker room we were in. 
I can't imagine how in how exciting that was for the players too. Uh, it, I, I heard that they wouldn't let you guys come back out and celebrate with the fans. They kind of got you on the bus to get you out of there. Is that a is that a COVID protocol? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, we're, we're so used to everybody um, kind of giving us directions on how to how to do things. So it's okay. We, we've got to find a way to stay safe, and, and we get it. But, man, it's just so tempting for the guys to want to go and celebrate and connect with everybody. But that's um, why we have our sports medicine department to watch over us and, and give us the right protocols and policies to operate. You know, Kalani, we would never jump on this and, and expect any type of major injury update from you, but because this is such a unique situation with Keenan Ellis and so many people have been collectively holding their breath, I, I'm just curious if you've got any updates on on his health and, and maybe just be, be able to ease fans' uh, anxiety a little bit. Yeah, he's doing good, and and um, you know, considering the injury, uh, he he went and spent spent the, the night in the hospital. Um, they ran tests for precautionary method, you know, just to just to make sure that uh, that, that everything was okay with his body, um, and and all the tests, from what we understand, came back negative, which is a good thing. And he was released yesterday. Spent the night in Vegas, so he, he's he's on his way back here now, and and um, you know. Highly doubtful that he'll play this weekend, but um, that's that's the last of our worries right now. We're just happy to have him back, and and um, I know he's excited to get back here and be around the boys. But uh, just really relieved and thankful that that um, that it worked out, and just want to thank everybody for their prayers and their thoughts and their concerns. I I, I received some really positive, um, you know, just just emails and and messages from from uh, fans from all over Arizona fans Utah fans and BYU fans and it's been nice to see that reaction to this and then I'm just really grateful that Keenan's going to be going to be fine you and Kyle text or talk during a game week before the BYU and Utah Come on, you know the answer to that one. <laughs> no, we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch uh, on other 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 yeah. weeks, especially after we play. Um, you know, we always get together during the summer and uh, hang out. And um, but other than that, I mean, this this is a you know this, we gotta we gotta respect the the game and respect. Uh, our, our programs and make sure that we get our guys ready to play this game. I know he, he's going to have his guys ready. I got to make sure I get our guys ready as well. So, coach, just watching that Arizona game, felt like everything was pretty conservative. I didn't see anything really out of the block box except for maybe a quarterback throwback, um, especially offensively. Uh, was it more of a of, of a a conservative nature because? you weren't exactly sure what Arizona would do or was there some conservation just knowing that it's a long season just from an offensive standpoint yeah from an offensive standpoint it really was we didn't have any idea what was going to happen on defense and we we looked at all film from different places that, that Don Brown's been at and tried to predict it and he came out with a different game plan that we even thought that was going to happen I mean what they did on defense, we thought we it was a, it was unique, it was different. But you look at that coaching staff; they have tons of experience. I mean, Dwayne Walker was a coach here at BYU when I was a freshman, and and and, and you look at that whole staff; they had so much experience on how to get their guys ready. Um, it was a little different for for what we saw, but I don't know if it was the conservative um, approach. I, I don't know if that's the right word because uh, we we just 
really had no idea what we were going to get on all three phases. The hardest thing was special teams, not knowing what they're going to do on punt or what they're going to do with uh, kickoff return or kick. I mean, we had no idea. That's why I took a timeout on the onside kick because it looked like they were going by with a 6-by-4 or a 5-by-5 five five with one kicker or two kickers. I just wanted to make sure we get the, the setup, and I took the timeout so we can at least talk about the options that we're going to see and where the ball is going to be at and so we can get Samson Nicole warmed up a little bit so he can recover a, a, a kick. But other than that, um, you know, I, that, that's always hard when you're guessing, but um, – you know, we we obviously would have liked to perform better, but I, I don't think you can say that's all on us. I think Arizona did some really good things and some unique things on defense. So you can watch it as hands to see for yourself, coverage wise. Yeah, a little bit different than what they've they've done in the past. You know, I find that really fascinating because we always talk about you know, especially those that haven't played at a high level like you and Hans and 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 experience that, but. We always talk about the you know game prep and the game plan going into the into the game, and then you know the recruiting that all these coordinators have to do at a high level. But also, I don't know if we spend enough time giving credit to coaches and their in-game adjustments because it sounded like there were some significant ones that you and your staff had to work through. And I got to imagine you're pretty pleased with the way they handled themselves in those kind of situations. I was, and and then what you're concerned about. Normally, you're talking about technique and and some assignment issues on a normal week, and this time we're saying, hey, this is what we're looking at. Uh, their offense went a little bit um, uh, speed, they went, they went a little bit tempo, no huddle, and, and that kind of caught us off guard a little bit with our subs because they they're a traditional huddle pro style team, and they changed up the tempo a little bit, which everyone can do, right? And we, I mean, our offense does that to us sometimes on defense, but um, we had to make sure we got the right packages in as far as subbing goes and now you're on the sideline talking about that instead of talking about the coverage and the routes that you're seeing from the offense that just that's part of the game guys i mean not not i don't want to make, make it sound like we're making excuses that's just what it is when when you're a new team showing up and there's not a lot of uh, knowledge on what you're going to do you haven't there's nothing wrong with just changing it up and completely doing way different than what you've done even in your past as, as a coach so that's what happened and we just had to adjust and then you know what it comes down to to me though is the fundamentals of the game which is blocking tackling catching the ball ball security things like that effort pursuit angles that's the stuff that i really want to focus and get and get better from game one to game two last question for me coach uh how did you feel about jaron hall's performance against arizona and how do you feel about his ability to lead this team against the university of utah I feel really good about it. I mean, he he, he had great uh, composure, uh, knew knew what was going on as far as an offensive, um, uh, you know, play caller and being on the field and, and, and managing the game. Uh, I thought with all the coverages that were coming his way, uh, I think I think he did the right thing, and, and I I basically compliment him by the number one thing, which is he took care of the football. And that's the one thing that we wanted to see. I think with the coverages and the change-up in coverages that Arizona gave us, it was kind of trying, trying to get him, trapping him into making a bad decision. And I thought that he made some good decisions and maybe some conservative ones and throwing a check down instead of instead of taking a chance. Um, but he still were, was able to, to feel comfortable and take a chance to throw the deep ball to, to – um, 
Peniel was one of them, you know, and just I thought yeah. he was smart with his legs too. He, I think he scrambled uh, a little bit and, and threw the ball away when he needed to. And that, that type of decision-making process was what I liked the most about him and looked like a veteran on the field. And, and uh, this is another test this weekend because Utah knows how to take veterans and make them look like, uh, like newcomers in the game, you know, they, with their pressure, what they do. And I know Coach Scali is going to have this guy's ready to roll and uh, we're going to have to be um, we're going to have to match that energy and that that, uh, that level of execution on, on our on our side on our offensive side Coach always a pleasure uh, I know it's game week I know you're busy we appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day for us good luck Thanks, Coach guys. appreciate it thank you yep. you got it Kalani Sataki head coach at BYU right here on 97.5 1280 The Zone wow you're getting double of me how about that everybody loves more Scotty that's can't ever true. get enough Scotty alright hands time for some expert opinions here yeah so i love this this is one of my favorite things to do for the rivalry game i always bring on a byu a young byu fan and try to get a young utah fan and we got Ryder here with us scotty Ryder is 10 years old and as i was walking through talking with a bunch of people Ryder gave me a prediction and Ryder, this is your chance how do you see this game playing out i see byu winning 17 to 24 so he's giving the score prediction. He's got BYU with the win, 24-17, right. to 17, a seven-point win for the Cougars. Yeah. And, and – Well, hold on a second here. Why, like, what, what makes you confident going into this game? What, what, who do you think is going to play well, and, and why, do, why do you feel so strongly that BYU is going to win this game? Well, for one thing, I feel like that Utah lost all their best players that they had in 2019 last time they played BYU. And I feel like that BYU had got uh, some new good talent. Good, He's, good. They yep. absolutely did. He's Can't sh- argue with any of that. He's sharp, isn't he? All right. So now there's kind of a there's kind of a um, an aura that surrounds you. Uh, what is the uh, what is the record of BYU at the games that you've attended? Six and zero. Whoa! Okay, really? This is the truth, Scotty, and you've got his whole family back here, and they're verifying it. Ryder has not been to a BYU game where they have lost. So I think Kalani should have reached out to you specifically <laughs> and said, Ryder, we got to get your butt to the game because we got to win this thing. We, if you're undefeated, what, do you remember some of your favorite games you've been to? Oh yeah, uh, 2019 USC. That was a good game. That man. was. That was. A- Jeez, they even had the upset over USC while you were there. Well, Ryder, we appreciate your prediction. We'll see how it plays out. If it does play out, Scotty and I, okay, I will get you a small prize pack that includes something from your Uncle Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ryder. I tell you, hey, Ryder, how about this? So so you know his Uncle Mike, right? Oh, yeah. Ryder, if BYU wins this game... We'll send you and either your dad or your mom to a jazz game. How about that? Okay. Does that work? So right, now you buddy. got a little something extra on the line there. <laughs> there you go, Ryder. Thanks right on, for, man. Thanks for joining us, bud. Wow, that's fun. Yeah, I love it. Ryder's not messing around there. Every year I try to grab a, a prediction from a young uh, BYU fan, a young Utah fan, but fantastic job there by Ryder. He even had a little bit of gusto when you came at him with the, hold on now. Yeah. Like They lost everything in 2019. BYU's got some special talent that they've got coming around. That's awesome. Thanks Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, we'll take a break, come back. Jason Anderson's going to join us next. We'll get his perspective on this game as we're live here at JCW's. This is your Holy War pregame show on the Zone Sports Network. I don't think that's my job to define that. I think if you look at the fan base, they'll probably define it for you. I don't know if it's even appropriate to, to put it on Kyle or put it on myself to to define it for everybody. I'm just going to say we, we love playing this game. We love sharing the field with, with great opponents. We have a, a ranked, talented team coming into our house, and we're looking forward to defending our stadium. Both head coaches played for the great Lavelle Edwards. There's a lot of cool things going on in this game. And I'm not going to define whether or not different rivalries happen and all that stuff. I just think that the fan bases do it for, the, for us already. So... It is your Holy War pregame show, counting you down to Utah and BYU. Another chapter in this rivalry gets written tonight. Who wins? And whoever does win is going to be able to sit on some bragging rights for at least a few years. Joining us now, BYU great, Jason Anderson, kind enough to join us. How are you, man? Hey, Jay. Hey, how are you guys doing today? I'm Not, doing well. Uh, a little bit, uh, you know, obviously a lot of electricity in the air. Uh, a, a little bit perplexed. I can't quite put my finger on exactly how this thing is going to go but i just kind of want to bring you in and get some of your thoughts man first of all let's start with this did you ever in your wildest dreams i mean you you had a great byu career great professional career did you ever in your wildest dreams expect to see utah go on a nine game win streak over an 11 year period never i mean (laughs) at some point it you know and i hate to say this but when it get when another team dominates another team it it, kind of eliminates the whole rivalry thing at that point it, it, it just kind of gets away with it. It's like, okay, are they that much better than us? Or we just keep dropping the ball on the way. Um, and there's some teams that you, BYU should definitely beat, uh, I think, Kalani's first year. Or even, it was up to you. I don't remember what year it was. They, they obliterated him in the first half and then fell apart in the second half. You know, I mean, there's... Had a three-score lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't lose those games. At least you shouldn't. Not in this rivalry. No. If you get up like that... If you get the turnover advantage, you get up like that. You stomp on them. Yeah, you absolutely got to stomp on them. I just, I, I, you know, from, from a, you know, I grew up in Idaho, but I still was very well aware of this rivalry, and, and it was so heavy BYU. It was, what did you go, two and two? or Two and two. I mean, you know, it was still. What were you in your four years, Jay? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, you know, shoot. We were, we were, I think I was one and four. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, so I was part of the, I got here in 93, and so. I was part of the 31-34 trilogy or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went up to Utah in 96 and then just embarrassed the heck out of them on their own field. We went 14-1 that so 96 That junior year? That was my junior year. Yeah. And then they came down to BYU my senior year. And then uh, it was close. I think it was like 14-20. But, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't fare well in the uh, – But that's when it kind of shifted. But it still it was, you know, still 50-50 uh-huh. for the most part. This is just unheard of what we've seen over the last nine years. And – and But for BYU, and we've talked about it a lot, not only this show, but this week as well, BYU can win this game. They can sit on this win for a couple of years, and that's got to bring a little bit of pride back to Provo. It, I think it does. I mean, it's it's something that Utah can't talk about. I mean, they may bring up the whole streak. Well, we beat you for nine straight times you know, over 11 years. You got us once. Great. Good yep. job. Okay. But it's like in football. They're always going to remember your last snap. Mm-hmm. They're always going to remember that last game. And so for BYU for the next couple of years until they re, I think they come back in 23, 24, whatever it is, um, they'll be able to talk about it for at least a couple of years and kind of build on that momentum as they go into the Big 12. 
So Jason Anderson played at BYU, played with the Patriots, had a great professional career. Uh, he's been a, a coach at the collegiate level. Uh, he's a coach at the high school level. He's coaching at Lehigh High School now. You've been around this rivalry one way, shape, or form. I want to know from your perspective, how important is it that Kalani gets this win? I'm talking about this particular game with the streak where it is and it's at the hiatus of mm-hmm. a couple of years. How important is it that Kalani get this win? I, I think it's absolutely critical. Uh, I mean, you see, there's coaches around the country that get fired if they can't win. I mean, you look at the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. There's been coaches at Michigan that have gotten fired because they can't beat Ohio State. Yeah. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's on the hot seat. He can win every game, but if he loses Ohio State, he may still get fired. He might. He yeah. might. He John, might still get John Cooper got fired at Ohio State because he couldn't beat Michigan. Exactly my point. So I, I'm not sure if. You know, if the BYU rivalry and Utah rivalry is that intense, where, you know, Clarence would potentially lose his job from that standpoint. I, but I, it, I think it's I think it's impeded his ability to get the extension and the contract he's wanted. Absolutely. Uh, and, and again, you're not going to – obviously the Big 12 thing is going to help out with the recruiting standpoint, but I'm sure it's hurt his recruiting along the way. You know, and I think someone posed a question to him earlier in the week, you know, is this going to help with recruiting if you guys can beat Utah? And he kind of deflected from it, yeah. if I recall. And – but the reality is you're not going to get the top dudes if you can't beat the in-state school. I, I want to talk to you about that. You are very in tune into what's going on, just high-level high school athletes, the recruitment process. Do you have – are there a bunch of high school recruits at this game tonight? I, would just, I, and I was just talking with my boy Teague, and, and I was like, there's probably going to be a slew of guys there. Uh, one, it's a big game. Uh, Saturday night where most high school – there's no high school games tonight, so – I think any any high school recruit that can get a ticket, I'm sure they're going to be there, or at least try to be there. Well, your son, Teague, is a big-time recruit out of the state of Utah as well. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's sitting there watching this thing. Most of his life, he's watched Utah play out and and win this game. Yeah. And, you know, to that that factor, I mean, I went to BYU, right? Um, And he'll tell you the same thing. He he favors Utah because that's what he grew up learning. He watched Utah beat BYU year after year after year. So a lot of these kids that – may have grew up in a BYU, even a group BYU family, have now started shifting their, their, their attention or focus their their affiliation, if that makes sense, toward the University of Utah because people want to find success. They want to be with people that are successful. Uh, and again, not taking nothing along from uh, from Bronco or Klein, their successes they've had when they're here, but if you can't consistently beat the in-state school, these kids are going to school every yeah. single day. Mm-hmm. And trust and believe, and you, having you, that you, conversation. Don't, you don't want to be on the other opposite side of that conversation when your team loses every single year. Let's take the Utah game out of it. I just want to go big picture. Um, you know, you've got sons that are recruits. Mm-hmm. How much does the Big 12 thing impact uh, potential recruits? I, I think it's going to be huge. Yeah. I think it's going to be absolutely huge. Uh, I think it's a game changer for BYU. I really do. Um, because the fact that. You know, yeah, BYU in the independent schedule, they can schedule some of those big-time programs. Mm-hmm. But you're also going to get, you know, the, the Murray States of the world. You're going to get these, you know, these lower-level type of programs that, you, that you're going to have to backfill uh, from that standpoint. Uh, but, yeah, you know, be able to play Oklahoma State, uh, be able to play Baylor, be able to play Texas Tech, all those types of schools week in and week out. And, and all in the same thing, at the, end of the, at the end of the year, have something to fight for. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, every game counts. And if you lose one at the beginning of the year, you know what? You still have a chance to make the Big 12 championship. You've been around the, the college world. How how big is the Big 12 without Texas and Oklahoma by adding Central Florida, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati? That's It's a huge hit. 
I mean, there's there's no way of taking anything away from it. Losing Texas and Oklahoma and having them go to the SEC, that's a huge, monstrous blow to that conference. But it's still considered a Power 5 conference. They still got, again, they still have some big-time programs. They got Oklahoma State. They've got, you know, Baylor's. they got Texas Tech's. they got, you know, like obviously BYU. they got, I got some dudes. they got some programs that have history that's going to be able to carry it on. Does it take a hit? Yes. Um, and you're going to see them probably match more up along the lines of like a Pac-12 conference now uh, than it would be, you know, the original Big 12 program that when, when they even had when they had Nebraska and Colorado back in the heyday. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about the personnel up front for BYU and – you know, we're, we're seeing kind of um, a resurgence of an offensive line. You finally got a draft pick, the first draft pick out of BYU. <laughs> I think it was like you and one other, and then and then finally you get Brady Christensen drafted. But a long drought of offensive linemen uh, long not being drafted from BYU, but it feels like they've got a good front with James Impey and Barrington Brothers and Freeland. Freeland. Freeland, a guy that I think you know. Oh yeah, I know really Freeland really well. well. Yeah, oh Jim was a f- teammate of mine of ours back in the day, and obviously his son, you know, eight foot tall, eight foot arms. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Blake's a Blake, unique Blake's, freak. He's a he's a freak of nature. Yeah, he is. I don't think anyone understands how one how big he is, but he understand that he played quarterback and defensive end in high school. Oh, he's a he's <laughs> a bizarrely gifted. Yeah, uh, and Scott, you've yeah. heard me talk oh, yeah. about how bizarre. So how good is that front? You know, it's got potential to be really, really good. It really does. I think there's a, you know, watching the game against Arizona, you know, I think, the, you know, the right guard position, I don't think it's solidified at this point between, you know, would it be Connor Pay or uh, the, the Polynesian kid, I can't remember, Tukuafu. Yeah, Tukuafu, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think that they're still trying to figure out that position there. Uh, whether, you know, it showed up some weaknesses last week uh, against Arizona. It really did uh, as you kind of watch the front go. But I think they have potential to be really, really good. Um, you know, I came to BYU from the sole fact, one of the primary reasons I came here is because BYU got guys in the NFL. That is the number one, one of the biggest reasons I came position. to BYU. At, at offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Roger French put guys in the league every single year. Yeah, well, there was an Outland Trophy winner just before you got yeah. there. Yeah, Mo. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was one of those things that even when I was at BYU, every year when I was at BYU, we had a guy get drafted in the NFL. You know, from whether it be Evan Pilgrim in the second round to Eric Bateman to Joe Wong to myself to we, we had dudes that came in and got drafted every single year and it was expected. Well, hey, we appreciate you coming by. Thanks for hanging out with us. No, it's this been, has been a lot been of fun. Awesome. Hey, uh, what do you, how do you think it plays out tonight? Uh, <laughs> Nobody's listening. Uh, it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah, just it's, the three of us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every, we're off air. Go yeah. off air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a really, really close game. I, I really do. I think it's going to be like a you know 30-24 type game. Uh, I'm st- I'm still not until BYU can beat Utah. I'm not. I, I, I they've got to prove it to me. In all yeah. honesty, as much as I want BYU to win, I still think Utah wins this game. It's more. It's gonna be you know 30, 24, you know 34, 27 type. It's gonna be within the score. But it, until they can prove it to me, you know Utah's got they got dudes up there. And they yeah. got speed. And I don't know if BYU has it yet. Uh, really quick before we let Jay go. Um, so one of his sons already headed off and went to Pitt back east. Pitt came in and got him. I've seen Teague in Florida gear. I've seen him in <laughs> pin. Like, You're getting some phone calls, huh? Well, oh, no, he, yeah. He's he's, uh, he's all over the he's place. A, he's a, we've been I, here in the Texas and Penn State. And I, I just want to say, can you can we keep him here? Hey. I, look, just 
Hey, that, now I'll say this. That's not up to uh, Teague and I. That's up to other people that you know, that extends offers. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, but no, he's... We just want him in state, you know, just... <laughs> just yeah, there's a you know Scotty's got an affiliation. Look, we you know we're, we're all covered here. There's great schools here in the state. Just keep them home. Uh, like I said again, yeah. If the offer is there, then they put themselves on the table. Yeah. If the offer's not there, I, my boys will go play wherever they're going to go play. I'm gonna, just like with Trey playing at Pitt. Yeah. I'm texting oh. Blake. I'm texting Blake right now. There you go. Well, uh, <laughs> Teague's the real deal. No, he, this, he's, this kid is uh, he is a grinder. He's a worker. Mm-hmm. He's a horse, and. And he's, he's nasty. Bad. And he's nasty. Oh, how how so? Dallin Holker. How good is Dallin Holker? Because I've got Scotty and I've been talking. I've got Dallin Holker so, being uh, yeah. player of the game yeah, on BYU. So Dallin is an absolute freak. You talking about uh, Freeland being this freak? Yeah. That dude is. He if they play if they play him the way he is designed to play, is he a, you know put your hand on the ground tight end? No, that's not him. And if they expect that out of him. They're gonna they're gonna lose him as far as an actual they overall player. They won't that. maximize his potential. He is a Travis Kelsey. He is a George wow. Kittle. He is that. He's a flex tight end type of guy who can create matchup problems because he's linebackers too, can't cover him. Can't safeties cover him. are too small. He's, exactly. He's too fast yeah. for linebackers. And when you put a safety on him, he's too freaking big and he's too strong. He's gonna you know. And that's how we we used him at, at, at Lehigh. It's like we just moved him wherever we wanted to and say, you know what, Dell, you go do your thing. We'll throw the ball. I and mean, obviously yeah. we had a good quarterback in Cam Cooper, but. I mean, with that being said, that dude, you know, and if they use him properly, he'll make some noise. He'll he'll make he'll make a lot of money. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate, appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming, uh, up. coming up next, you're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham. It's all straight ahead, right here on the Zone Sports Network. Uh, not not really. I, you know, the main thing is that nothing that is said will ever win you a game or lose you a game for that matter. You know, it's what you do on the field. It's the technique with which you play. It's being assignment sound. It's, it's knowing schematically where you're supposed to be and then showing up on game day and making those plays. So they're a very good football team. They're very well coached. And if we don't show up and play disciplined football, it's not going to be a good day. Definitely one of the most anticipated games each season. It's intense. It's exciting. I think it's pretty much everything you could want in a football game, right? It's kind of what we're out there to do, you know, is compete at the highest level and give it all. Hands with Scotty here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, you think you got too much of us during the week. Well, hey, you get a Saturday edition of the show. It's the... uh, Holy War pregame show, counting you down to kickoff. This is fun, man. I keep checking my phone. I'm like, is it good, bad, and ugly? I know. Oh, like, oh, did we do what's, what we may have missed? <laughs> it's whole world news. Like, uh, if you don't listen from 10 to 2 every single weekday, then go uh, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> go f- shame, shame on you. Shame on you. you Got to listen, man, 10 to 2. Scotty and I have a blast every single day together. All right, Kyle Whittingham. We had a chance to chat with him earlier in the week. Here is the head coach of the University of Utah. The head coach of the University of Utah, Kyle Whittingham, kind enough to join us right here on the Zone Sports Network. Coach, how are you? Hey, Coach. Doing good, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, We were just talking. You've been doing this for a bit. You've coached in a lot of these rivalry games. To the point where are you calloused or does it still feel a little different? Does this week still have a little special (laughs) meaning to you? 
Well, you know, it uh, it does have a little different feel to it. Now, it's a different feel than it used to have, I can tell you that. It's it's not quite the same as, you know, when we were both in the Mountain West or the WAC and, and, uh, and you know, the game was at the end of the year and had more of a, a true rivalry feel uh, back then, but it's still certainly uh, an intense game and, and uh, certainly has the attention of the entire state of Utah. Take us back to when you used to play in this game, the rivalry game, Coach. Does it mean – is it is there much different meaning as a coach as than there was as a player in this game? Yeah, it's a different feel as well. I mean, when you're a player, it's uh, it's got its own different uh, set of circumstances and dynamic to it as opposed to when you're a coach. But but uh, it's still, like I said, very intense and emotional. You know, it's, it's something that, that uh, brings out uh, everybody's emotions and, and – uh, so, you know, here we go again. You know, we missed it last year, obviously, but uh, we got uh, got it uh, on for this week. So so we'll be there and we'll be ready. A player and coaching, how many years is this for you? Have you ever added that up? Wow. Years of uh, this is? I haven't, but I can tell you it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20, somewhere right okay. in that neighborhood. Yeah. Whether just coaching a in it or playing in it? Yeah, just a guess. Just a guess. Wow. So – Looking back a little bit before we look at to BYU, you have you've had a few days to decompress and look at the film. Uh, how did you evaluate your team's performance against Weber State in that opener? You know, some good, some bad. It's uh, anytime you got a you know your first game of the season, it's uh, kind of a mixed bag, and there's certainly a lot of things to correct and work on. But uh, there was also a lot of positives. I thought Charlie threw the ball well, and and uh, when you you know if we would have caught the ball better, it would have been an outstanding evening for him. But uh, we had several drops. Uh, defensively, I thought we played solid for the most part. Gave up one big drive, uh, although we made a goal line stand there at the end of that drive and and uh, kept him out of the end zone. But but uh, the big negative was allowing that kickoff return to get out the gate, and and uh, that was just very poorly played by us. And and so that was the the biggest negative. And we had to go right into the rain delay, you know, right after that play. And so that was that was kind of a negative. But uh, overall, I thought uh, you know we did what we needed to, but certainly a lot of room for improvement. So, Coach, watching that, that game, that opener against Weber State, I, I looked very closely at your starting offensive lineup with Bam, Braden, Ford, Miley, and I believe Simi was off the right side. Um, at least that's what I got my notes. And I, I looked at some of the guys that you've got available and possibly were out for that game. Are we going to see some offensive linemen this week that we didn't see last week? Well, we hope so. And, you know, once the season starts, we never talk about who's playing, who's not playing. We just go with the guys we got and don't have a uh, official injury report. But uh, we had some guys on the shelf for Weber and, and uh, you know, we'll just see what kind of availability we have this week. That's as, as good an answer as I can give you. Kyle Winningham right here on the Zone Sports Network as the Utes get set for a showdown uh, coming up against BYU on Saturday. Uh, when you project and you look ahead, I know BYU sat some players out in that game as well. When you're dealing with uh, potential players coming back, a situation with some of those wide receivers, do you just kind of anticipate that they'll be back out on the field and, and uh, some of the uh, dynamic play that they can bring to the table? Yeah, we, we assume that uh, you know the guys that were held out will be back, but uh, you never know for sure, and you just got to be able to react and adjust during the course of the game. But uh, you know, we're just as far as a game plan, you you make the assumption that uh, they'll be there, and you got to account for them. 
Based off what I see the tight ends group doing, I feel like you're the second best Whittingham on that coaching staff because, <laughs> look, look, Freddie doesn't get the praise he deserves. That man has that tight end group running at a high level. How do you even make a, a decision on who gets targeted? You, I think you had four tight ends targeted, uh, three with receptions, but you've got a couple of All-Americans that you could possibly throw to on that group. How do you make that decision? Well, it just the flow of the game. I mean, we certainly have a uh, game plan and and uh, different tight ends targeted on different places. The primary uh, read, but uh, you know, as the game unfolds and and uh, you know, depending on what coverages they're playing and so forth, it just kind of evolves. And so, I just know for a, you know that we have one of the the strongest tight end groups in the in the Pac-12 and in the country, in my opinion. With with all four of those guys, Thomas Yasmin is really starting to come into his own, and when you you got the proven veterans uh, ahead of him uh, in Fotheringham and Keithy, and then Dalton Kincaid is a, a special player as well. So we're fortunate to have uh, you know that group, and and uh, they maximize their opportunities on uh, Saturday and or Thursday night, I should say, and hopefully we can get a lot of production out of them again this weekend. Tavian Thomas uh, ran for 100 yards, but you pointed out uh, you did put the ball on the ground. Um, but uh, did you like overall, outside of that fumble, did you like overall what you saw from him in particular and then also from your running back core? And do you anticipate that one guy might separate and maybe getting you know, maybe the majority of the carries going forward? We would anticipate that happening, and, and Thomas started to, to do that in this game. And, uh, you know, we did have the one negative, the fumble, which, you know, we'll correct that. And he'll, he's worked hard on it uh, this week in, in practice. And and uh, he did somewhat separate himself with uh, with his production and, and the way he ran the football. And and I think I thought Makai Bernard had a nice game as well, uh, catching the ball uh, as well as running the football. He made some nice catches out of the backfield. So, so you're going to start to see some separation in, is uh, what I would anticipate, and and uh, by no means are things set or settled yet. But uh, as the season wears on, I think there's going to be a, a natural gravitation towards a primary ball carrier, and then uh, other guys will be in supporting roles. Well, coach, as my eyes sat there and watched Charlie Brewer, I feel like you got a heck of a quarterback right there. What what were your thoughts of his performance in that opener? Yeah, I agree. He's very poised, uh, moves well in the pockets, uh, does a great job feeling the rush, uh, keeping his eyes downfield. Uh, extending the play, he's got that capability. Um, you know, he can run when he needs to. He's 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 mobile. We don't you know like him to run much, but uh, when he when he needs to escape and and move around, he's he's certainly got that capability. But the thing that really sets him apart is his decision making, uh, the way he gets the ball out of his hand. You know, he gets through his read progression real very quickly. And and like I said, if we hadn't had a, a multitude of drops, his numbers would have been really good. How was he in blitz read and react? Very good, very good. He's. Uh, you know, been starting quarterback at the Power Five level for four years now. I guess it's the fifth year, and so he's uh, he's seen it all and uh, does a really nice job of uh, anticipating blitz and, and getting the ball where it needs to be. What's your early week evaluation on what you've seen out of BYU? Uh, they played good against uh, Arizona. You know, they got it done. Um, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, the quarterback uh, was productive. Um, you know, the runner. Uh, Algier, Algier is uh, you know is a physical kid and, and runs hard and uh, you know they had some new faces on the O line. They seem to settle in and play well and and uh, the receiver uh, Pau uh, was obviously the, the primary target at least in that game. Well, coach, we certainly appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us and uh, good luck. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you again here soon. Good luck, coach. Okay, guys, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. That is Kyle Whittingham.
with his assessment of BYU, his assessment of his team as we get ready for the game. Now, it looks like there might be a little bit of a slide tonight. Um, not quite sure if this will be an 8.15 or maybe a, about 10 minutes later, but either way, we're less than an hour away from kickoff. It is Utah. It is BYU. We continue on with your pregame show next. You're listening to Hans and Scotty, Holy War pregame show edition, right here on the Zone Sports Network. The Holy War is here, BYU and Utah. It's game day, and the zone is getting you ready for another chapter in the Holy War rivalry. There's a lot more at stake here than just a game, right? And I think that you're fooling yourself if you just say that it's just another game. It's not. Milne in the slot. Williams, the running back. Tyson Williams inside the five and into the end zone. First touchdown is a BYU Cougar for the grad transfer from South Carolina. On second down, Brewer throwing for the corner of the end zone. It's caught touchdown. They bring some pressure. BYU picked it up nicely. They gave Hall time to throw. Downfield, and it's caught. It's drive. Touchdown, BYU. Cruz with all kinds of time going deep and throwing it into coverage. Throw it right to the BYU defender. And it's intercepted in the back of the end zone. Hayden Livingston. Wilson flushed. Intercepted! Picked off by Utah, Francis Bernard, the former BYU Cougar, runs it back. Play action. Wilson, there is Bushman. He's got it, and he's down at the one-yard line. Touchdown, BYU. He made it in. Pressure again, flushed out by Tafua. Toward the sideline, throws it back, and it's juggled and tipped and intercepted. Off the hands of Randall Bryant, and Utah comes away with it. Scotty, 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. <clears throat> Hands, we are probably about 30 minutes away from this thing getting kicked off. Utah, BYU, here we go. We have not given our predictions yet. No, we, we haven't. We have done 20 hours of radio this week. We have. Before today. Uh, so I, I think most people know that I'm leaning towards Utah winning this game. It, it all comes down to the history of the last nine games and seeing Kyle Whittingham in closing moments, in clutch decisions, in you know critical areas of the field, coming up with the play that wins it. Whether it's stopping Taysom Hill as they get a classic matchup on a roll around on a two-point conversion that would have won it. Yes. Was that Kalani's first year? I believe so. Would have won it if they just get in for the two-point conversion. Kyle Whittingham has a defensive end that, that goes underneath on a tight end, or it was a tackle, beats the block, pushes Taysom a little bit deep, and he's tackled at the one-and-a-half, and Utah wins it. How many of those types of plays? Francis Bernard inter- intercepting and uh, taking a pick six when the game is tight. Yeah, relatively close. It ended up being like 30-12, to 12, but at that point it was – Three three or six six or something like that. Yeah, it was right in the yeah. ballpark. And and um, Jason Anderson was on talking about the year that BYU had a really nice lead, and Kyle Whittingham 
he comes back out with a defensive game plan, gets his Utes back in it. It just feels like he's had his number for so many years, and it just doesn't feel right taking BYU in that prediction until Kalani Sataki beats his one of his mentors. Yeah. I, I think that Kalani's ultimate mentor is probably Lavelle, but I know he looks up to Kyle, and I know Kyle taught him a lot. But until you see Kalani do it, until you see BYU do it, it's just really hard to predict it. So I'm taking Utah 28-27. It's a one-point game. I feel like this game has all the matchups and all the making of a nail-biter. You know, just looking at the position groups. Yeah. They're all with you. classically matched. BYU's offensive line, if they show up and they play unified and they play good football, that BYU offensive line can be a solid force against what is a really good Utah defensive front and vice versa. Yeah. So I am – I almost feel like I need to change my score a little bit because you and I have not talked yet about what our predictions were going to be, and we are shockingly similar in this thing. So I've got a 28-24 Utah. I think that Charlie Brewer is the X factor for Utah. I think the line – I don't want to say domination, but the edge – on the offense and defensive line, leans a little bit more Utah for me. But I think that Jaron Hall and this BYU offense, if the Nukua brothers are healthy, uh, there is uh, Jake Hatch, who's at the stadium, just tweeted out that Gunnar Romney is down on the field and is going through warm-ups. But As I mentioned, yep, I think he'll be available. I just he's going to be pushing his body if he's really going out there to play. And what what is he able to do? It's one thing to be out there, but can you really do much? I think is going to be a real big question well, mark there. And how much do you want to put yourself out there towards for potential further damage? Yeah, you got to be careful, man. You don't want to push your body until it breaks. Yeah, and it's a long season. I know that Gunnar Romney wants to play in this game. I know it's everything to him. It's everything to every BYU football player that's got a helmet on, every Utah player that's put the shoulder pads on, through the under the pit uh, straps on, that, that, that taped their jersey to the pads, like that through the tape on the ankle. All these guys, these guys, it's the world to them. And, and But there's a certain level of intelligence that you've got to take. And I, I've seen it too often. I remember, I think it, it, Matt Asiata, one of the first years I was on air, he was dealing with a couple of different injuries. They tried to get him back on the field. They pushed the ball in his hands way too many times, and his body gave again. I can't remember if it was an ankle or if it was a knee, but I remember thinking he was injured. You pushed him. You, you gave him too many carries, and now his body broke, yeah. and now you don't get him at all. Yeah. And I don't want that to happen to Gunner or to Neil because you do have other targets. But I expect the Nakua's to be available. expect to see a Samson Nakua reception. Probably a Puka Nakua reception. So don't make a bad decision. How much without, let's say, heaven forbid, Neil Powell can't go, uh, Gunnar Romney's limited, but you do have the Nakua's. Without Neil and what we saw his production last week against Arizona, is there a significant drop-off with that wide receiver core? Without Neil? Yeah. Uh, yes. But with the but with the Nikuas, I just they they haven't been pressed, they haven't repped out. N- Neil has taken yeah. so many reps through camp. He was so ready 
for this season and so primed for this season. And, uh, you know, obviously Puka is a fantastic talent. And I'm sure he can show up, run over the top. And I don't know what Utah expects of him or how they're going to defend him. You could find some open looks. Maybe he comes out and shocks everybody. But as far as how much time he's put into the preparation yeah. compared to Neil Powell, I don't think he can take Neil Powell reps. I think having Neil potentially off the field or limited on the field is a problem. So that's another reason why I'm leaning Utah in this game. Do you think there's a possibility of a blowout tonight one way or another? I don't. I don't see it. The only way I see it is if it's a um, – if it's a – Five turnover yeah, games. Yeah, just a cascade of turnovers, like the infamous Jake Eves game. Like going into that Max Hall game, his junior year, going into that game, I know that you, they, the, the Utes had Paul Kruger. I know that they were loaded, but I, I just didn't expect it to be a five turnover or six turnover game or whatever that game was Yeah, and go the way it went. There, there's been a couple of times where the rivalry game has caught me by surprise, like, oh, wow. Jeez. Did not see that didn't one. Didn't see it coming. When's the last time we saw a BYU blowout? Can you um, remember a BYU blowout? Can it, I mean, not since not since I've covered this game. And I've been, I've been, my first year working in sports radio in Salt Lake City was the infamous snowstorm game in 2003. That's how long I've been doing it. And, yeah, I feel really old right now. But, so I go back to covering this game on a yearly basis all the way back to 2003. And I have not seen a – I cannot recall a BYU blowout. There, No, there hasn't been one. So we're uh, – did you blow out Utah in your games in any no. of your two wins? Mm-mm. No. 96 we did. 96, I think it was like 34-14. That might be it, honestly. I, I, I can't remember the exact score, but I, I do remember 96 having a pretty darn good win. Yeah. My senior year, obviously, you know my senior year. Yeah. It came down to the final two throws and, and the last play on with 10 seconds left on the board. By the way, speaking of 96, not a good night for Steve Sarkeesian as Arkansas leads Texas 40-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter. Arkansas. Well, you know those Razorbacks. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You knew Texas was going to be unpredictable. You knew that they were going to be all over the place. But the, uh, the a couple of uh, a couple of keys to tonight's game: getting Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker involved yeah. early in your offense. Holker was underwhelming last week against Arizona, and I know he's an important part of that offense. So having Holker success and having Isaac Rex success and Hoping that Gunnar Romney can give you anything, hoping that Puknakua in limited reps through camp can give you anything, and you can get some of that from the outside. On Utah's side of things, uh, some of the keys to this game, it's going to be establishing a very solid run game with Tavion or or Makai Bernard or Curry, but establishing a solid run game and trying to identify the rush three drop eights, the the uh, unidentified run blitzes, some of their hidden coverages, and trying to identify those things and maybe even audibling into those things, trying to run into it. We saw Arizona do it. They had some success at it. 
we'll see if Utah can do the same. The reason I bring that up for Utah's in and their potential success, if they get some type of run game going, that should give Charlie Brewer a little bit more time in the pocket. Yeah. He was pressed against Weber State. If Weber State can get to Charlie Brewer, then I think that Elisa Tuiaki and Kalani Sataki can come up with a defensive game plan to get to Charlie Brewer. You would expect that, right? Yeah, I would, I if, would Weber that. State, if Jay Hill and Weber State did can it, do it yeah. even though Utah's got two of their offensive linemen back, and that's going to help them up front, you would think if Weber State could do it, Lysa Tuiaki and Kalani Sataki should be able to do it. So that offensive front, it has to establish the run because BYU is, is going to do everything they can, maybe even mimic some of Jay Hill's stuff, to find those pressures. If you can give Charlie even just a split second more than he had last week. I mean, look, he did okay yeah. throwing into the hot last week against Weber State's blitz. And he was getting hit time and time and time again. He was getting hit. A, a run establishment will help him move the pocket in a little bit of play action, force that BYU defense to delay a little bit. So one of the big reasons that I'm giving Utah a, a, an advantage, a slight edge in this, if you're trying to drop eight and, and, if, and if you're trying to rush three and if Brewer has any time to sit there and pick apart zone, I think he can pick apart zone. I think that he can. I think he can throw and hit routes to pick apart the zone, and you're gonna have to find a way to pressure him. Yeah. Now I say that, and now watch. Wilgar drops into a zone, bats one of Charlie Brewer's passes. It comes down to Chaz Ayu's arms, and it's returned for six. You you know how these games go. Yeah. Yep, I'm, tr- right. I'm trying to identify characteristics and traits of what I've seen in game one from both teams, what I watched through camp, what I've seen on film. Charlie Brewer seems to be the type of quarterback that if you're trying to play soft, he's going to fire those passes into those zones, and he's going to force you to be more and more interactive. He's mm-hmm. going to force you into mans and presses. He's going to force you into blitzing. He's going to force you into things that then play to over-the-top big plays. Yep. I don't know if he's got the over-the-top big play. I'm still curious to see if he's got that, oh, man, you got two presses, you got shallow underneath, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, let's say, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to, let's say Britain Covey. I, I don't know Britain's not going to run any outs, but Ennis. Um, Ennis. Let's say Ennis finds his way. Solomon Ennis finds his way over the top, and you've got to hit it 45 yards over the top into a basket. I- I'm still looking to see if Brewers got that. I'm sure he showed it against Baylor, but Baylor always ran max protect. The two receivers that they had in that 2018 season when he put up all the yards, those dudes could fly by any corners. Those were two of the best receivers I've ever watched. And Brewer was throwing a lot of those, just hucking them, and those guys would get underneath them. So maybe that's what happens tonight, but I still want to see him complete that deep ball. Because if they start forcing BYU to play a little bit tighter and they think that that these Utah wide receivers can't get loose over the top or Brewer can't hit it, they've got to prove that they can. That'll be a huge advantage for BYU if they can't prove that they can do that. So you've got a 28-27. Utah, I've got a 28-24. Utah, I think we're both anticipating a really, really good game. I think we're all anticipating a game that's going to go right down to the wire. Um, and 
Then it just comes down to who makes plays down the stretch. Can Jaron Hall take the team 75 yards down four for a game-winning touchdown? Can Charlie Brewer take a team 75 yards okay. down four to get a game-winning touchdown? I'm, I'm going to ask you because you don't got a you don't got a dog in this fight. Nope. You're just what you're. Yeah, this is a sheer a, entertainment for yeah, me. Yeah, an outside observer that's watched a lot of football breaking it down. Which team do you take in that crutch, crutch, Utah. clutch drive? I take Utah. I feel more comfortable with Utah. Because Brewer's kind of experience. Yes. Look, guy's thrown 9,000 yards. He's been there. He's done that. Um, he's won a bunch of close games. That's the one thing. Uh, Matt Rule, who's now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, he said uh, in talking about, in talking about um, his quarterback, he said, look, he goes, I have this job in the NFL because Charlie Brewer won six one-possession games for me at Baylor. I mean, that's a huge comment there and saying that yeah. I won a bunch of games. It, I was able to parlay and that. How did I do it? How did I do that? Charlie Brewer knew how to win close games for me. How? What? what? Yeah. Can you say that about Jaron at this point? Not, you know, not yet. A year no. from now, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe after this game. Maybe yeah. he does lead a touchdown drive, and then Scotty and I next year are saying, well, yeah, but you remember that drive in 2021. Exactly. Well, the thing is we've got a sample size of Brewer and these drives, and it just it rolls off the tongue a little easier yeah. because of, of the sample size of it. But even with that said, that's what makes these moments so great. Uh, that's why. Because there will be two names that we have not really focused on, not really talked about. There will be two names, one offensively and one defensively. Might be BYU, might be Utah. That in the postgame, when you call in, and we're talking with DJ and PK, we're going to have a fun postgame. I hope everybody tunes in. Our postgame is going to be a blast. But um, just kind of a round, ta- round table style uh, rivalry game postgame. But there is going to be a name that hits all of us. I know he got drafted in the NFL. I know he was a good player. But if Brandon Burton doesn't block a kick against BYU, would we remember who he was? No. No offense to him, and I apologize. He was really good. He was really good, but no, probably not. No. But he came up with a huge block field goal to secure a win for the University of Utah. We've seen uh, breakout performances, like names like Brian Blecken come to my mind remember he was a freshman yep, yep. And, tr- and trevor riley that's right absolutely Do you remember trevor trevor riley all of a sudden became a household name based off of this rivalry game there's going to be a, a, a man who it will become a household name out of this game i, I can't wait to see who it's going to yeah. be and 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 then you're let's just hope the household name isn't a goat i mean the, somebody, the doink yeah somebody kitashiro or somebody like that yeah there are legendary names that are yeah. synonymous with a, a negative connotation. Yeah. yeah, I don't like that, but it's just how this game is, and there, and there could be that. You yeah, hate hate for that, that, but certainly could. Hey, this is a lot of fun, man. I know. We got to do this more often. Utah, BYU. Remember, as soon as this game goes final, hands will be on the air, and we'll have all the zone staff helping out. You'll hear from. Uh, I'll hang out. DJ will be there, PK, Jay Catch, Gordon Monson. Everybody's going to take a stab at uh, breaking this game down. So as soon as this game is over, get it right back here to the Zone Sports Network. Hey, big thanks to JCWs, man. I just, you know, 
you know, I'm trying to make good life choices. Just working on a salad, that's one of the best salads I've ever had in my life. It's so good. Their chicken's tender, isn't it? Yeah. Tender, juicy, perfectly seasoned, just incredible. Uh, JCW's, if you're out there looking for a shake on a date night with your wife, you know, come out. You could actually share the small. This small shake at JCW's is piled over the top. You know, maybe you like that grasshopper. Maybe you like that mint and Oreo. Maybe you like the chocolate and you like the chocolate chip cookie dough. There are so many great combinations. Come out for a shake. You like buffalo wings? Come and get a good, affordable buffalo wing with some fresh blue cheese dipping sauce. Like, just awesome options here at JCW's. Come down, grab it, eat it up. The burgers, obviously, that's what they're known for. But it seems like every time I come here, Scotty, I'm like, oh, well, I think it's time I do this or this. The, yeah. the steak sandwich with that thin-cut piece of ribeye. Wait, they have a steak sandwich They've got here? a ribeye steak sandwich here. No. Yes, they do. They thin-cut ribeye. They fry it up and throw it on a, a couple of pieces of Texas toast <laughs> and they, a couple of layers of mayo, and it's just awesome. What? Yeah, it's very good. Holy smokes. i got to get on that. Well, come on down here, JCWs, here in Provo or any of the other JCWs up and down the Wasatch Front. We'll be back with you on post game. Enjoy it, folks. Should be a fun one. Utah, BYU, Holy War about to kick off. And you've been listening to Hans and Scotty here on the Zone Sports Network. The Holy War is here, BYU and Utah. It's game day, and the zone is getting you ready for another chapter in the Holy War rivalry. There's a lot more at stake here than just a game, right? And I think that you're fooling yourself if you just say that it's just another game. It's not. Milne in the slot. Williams, the running back. Tyson Williams inside the five and into the end zone. First touchdown is a BYU Cougar for the grad transfer from South Carolina. On second down, Brewer throwing for the corner of the end zone. It's caught touchdown. They bring some pressure. BYU picked it up nicely. They gave Hall time to throw. Downfield, and it's caught. It's drive. Touchdown, BYU. Cruz with all kinds of time going deep and throwing it into coverage. Threw it right to the BYU defender. And it's intercepted in the back of the end zone. Hayden Livingston. Wilson. Flushed. Intercepted. Picked off by Utah. Francis Bernard, the former BYU Cougar, runs it back. Play action. Wilson. There is Bushman. He's got it, and he's down at the one-yard line. Touchdown, BYU. He made it in. Pressure again. Flushed out by Tafua. Toward the sideline. Throws it back, and it's juggled and tipped and intercepted. The hands of Randall Grimes and Utah comes away with it, and it's Devin Lloyd to pick.